Hi, everybody. It's Ellen. We've got a really special episode today for you. Um, We're very excited to share it with you. It is a little different than our normal episodes. Um, We will be talking about uh, These Hollow Vows by Lexi Ryan. I don't think there's too many spoilers, but if you want to go into the book not having heard anything about it, I'd say hold off, go read it, and then come back and join us. We're very excited to be able to share this with you guys. So we are super excited to be here today talking with an amazing author, Lexi Ryan. She is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling some adult contemporary romance series, as well as uh, YA fantasy novels, which is where we are going to focus our conversation as our podcast is centered around uh, fantasy and a lot of YA fantasy. So we're super excited to have you here. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for taking for the time. Me. Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so we read these hollow vows on the podcast and are super excited <laughs> for these twisted bonds to be coming out oh in a couple gosh. of months. <laughs> Can it be like tomorrow? <laughs> I'm so excited for you to get it. Like I had finished writing goodness, I'd finished writing it and, and even finished my first round, my first two rounds of revisions before book one even came out. So, um, by the time book one comes out and I'm getting all of the, why do we have to wait a year? I'm like, I don't know y'all. It's not up to me. (laughs) (laughs) have it. But I find, I find that for a lot of readers, just knowing that it was written made them feel so much better because things happen, right? Like authors, they're like, oh, life got in the way and now it's going to be another two years. And so when I could just say it's written, it's just going to be a year because publishing, then they'd be like, okay, it's written. I can breathe, you know? (laughs) It does make me feel a lot better knowing that it's, (laughs) it'll be out eventually. (laughs) First year coming. Yeah. Ellen has this rule that she tries to abide by though. This podcast has made it harder to do so, but she's like, okay, I need to know the next release date in the series because otherwise I just, I don't want to. So once I know, okay, it's going to be this time, then I can read the the final book that's currently published. (laughs) I don't like leaving the characters if something bad is happening. So I, (laughs) I don't like to be in that that gray area. <laughs> okay. So if you haven't read it, you need to put it on your podcast list, but Karen Murray moaning has a series called the fever series. Okay. And, um, probably one of the worst cliffhangers, like most intense cliffhangers ever in that oh, series. No. Um, it's, oh man, if you decide to read it and do a podcast on it, please send me the link so that I don't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about that series. It's one that I make everybody read. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we are always like open to They come to earth kind of situation. Okay. Yeah. Like modern day, like it, back in the day, we called it urban fantasy. <laughs> um, but I hear, I hear uh, different labels on it now, but um, yeah, it's so good. Okay. <laughs> Kitty yeah, bits are problematic too, but I find that my favorite things have that. <laughs> I was just talking to someone recently and I'm like, my, actually I've said it on the podcast too. My morals definitely change when I'm reading. Like, <laughs> you know what? Readers are smart. They yeah. like, they know the difference. Like they're not <laughs> like, Oh, he's such a jerk to her. And it's so hot. I want to find someone who's a jerk to me. No, <laughs> like we know. We know, we, yes. we know it's hot. Cause we're like, it's the subtext, right? It's like, right. The, Oh, because he's damaged yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, she's the one he needs to get through it. And he right. secretly wants her, you know, or whatever. We're like feeding into it. And, but yeah, readers are smart. They're, they're not like looking for bad relationships because they they read about one right that's pretty silly <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so um I don't know if you want to dive in a little bit in talking about how you ended up writing these hollow vows especially since it is your first family YA novel and that seems like a very different trajectory or big step away from yeah. your romance series 
Yeah, I joke that like once I finally had a solid and consistent fan base in contemporary romance, then I decided it was time to <laughs> branch out. But in a way it was good because I, I already did have it. I, I don't, I'm not leaving contemporary romance. I'm going to keep writing it. I love it. Sure. Um, but I also want to keep writing fantasy, but, um, but it was good because my readers know me well enough that they're willing to wait a little bit longer than often romance fans, especially romance fans who read indie authors uh, have to wait. So it, it worked out really well. I, it wasn't planned like that. Honestly, I was just like, let's see, this was 2018. I was having um, a bit of a crisis of faith, both like, you know, the world around me and some personal stuff that was going down and um, just needed a way to check out. Now, it's not that I hadn't read fantasy before. I, like I said, I've been a big fan of urban fantasy for a long time. Um, but anything that was more high fantasy, I felt like I wasn't smart enough for. <laughs> and at this moment, I was like, you know what, I just need to like, I need to be in a world where there are big bad monsters and they can be defeated. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm in a world where there are big bad monsters and we are not being successful in defeating them. Absolutely. And um, so I just kind of just went on like an everything fantasy reading binge. And, you know, the joke was like, oh, so you're going to write this next, right? And I'm like, oh, ha ha, right? <laughs> but sure enough, I mean, it didn't take long. Because when you're, for most writers, when you love, love, love to read something, it is hard to keep your brain from going there to like, ooh, I want to write this. You know, sure. like it's just... I love making stories. So when I love a certain kind of story, I want to make more of that. Um, so it shouldn't have taken me by surprise that by the end of 2018, I was sending a brief proposal to my agent and saying, hey, I have this idea for this YA fantasy and um, it's kind of dark and twisty. And do you think anybody, you know, and I gave him like a one sentence synopsis. Do you think anybody would want this? And he's like, yes, <laughs> I know four editors off the top of my head who would absolutely want to read this right now. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let's see if, let's see what, what we can do. So, yeah. So I just jumped right into it and I find that, um, going back and forth between the fantasy and the contemporary romance is really awesome for me. Like um, I've written contemporary romance for so long that I can get in my head a little about writing fantasy. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm not smart enough for this. I'm not good enough for this. And like, Oh, I should stop admitting this so frequently. But I wrote <laughs> a good half of these hollow vows in comic sans because like, I'm like, you've got to get over yourself. You're doing this because it's fun. Like that's yeah. the whole reason you're doing this. You're not doing this because you, you know, desperately need to have a career in this branch of things. You're doing it because it's fun and because you love it. So don't take yourself so darn seriously and just have fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to go back and forth. When I'm writing one, I get excited about when I can write the other, which is a natural writer brain thing. No matter what we're writing, we think something else will be easier. Sure. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Never true. It's the lie that our brains tell us to get us to stop. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed having both in my creative life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was there anything in particular that inspired you for this specific storyline or like what was the thing that sort of got the ball rolling for you? So um, Bree's pretty angry, you know, like yeah. I, I just, there were two scenes I wrote before. I First, I'm sorry, let's back up. I, I'm what they call a quilter. So I don't write in order sure. and I don't even... Um, and I don't plan before I write much. I write lots of pieces and then figure out how they can work together and I stitch them together. Um, it's a terribly inefficient process. I know zero <laughs> quilters who would be like, let me tell you how to do it so everyone can do it this way. And zero quilters who think it's the right, quote unquote, right way. You do it because it's the way it works for us, right? Sure. So um, 
usually before I decide to write a book, I play with some scenes, like whatever scenes are in my mind, I start sketching them. And usually it's like more vignettes than scenes, right? Pieces of scenes. And so for this one, I had um, this scene of Brie on her hands and knees, scrubbing her boss's office and like staring at the vault. Now, obviously that scene is not in the book. That is not there but that idea of some scrappy girl who's angry who's looking working hard and who was willing to steal to get what she needs um was a kernel there and then the second scene i wrote um i don't know if you remember the shower scene in the book <laughs> with finn oh yes oh yeah <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> and so that was like this, um, you know, I knew that that she was not in her right mind and that she was, that he could take more from her in that moment and benefit from it, from it but he was choosing not to. So right. um, those like two kernels were kind of like the sparks that started me rolling into the story. And then I wanted to play with, you know, retold fairy tales. So I played with the whole Cinderella thing. A lot of that stuff ended up getting cut, but for the better, it needed to be cut. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like that's why she's Abriella and not just Brie, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of rolled with it and let the story take me. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have that Cinderella piece. So even yeah. though you said you took a lot of it out, you've still laid it out very well for us as readers. Um, and kind of the way that we were describing this book to people when they're like, okay, why should you read this book? What is it about? And we're like, okay, so picture Cinderella plus the bachelor, <laughs> mix them all together. And that's what you get these hollow vows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess, why did you choose like fairy, seely, unseely, when there are so many other, you know, options out there? Was that just the books that you had been reading the most in 2018 or? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely part of it. I, I, I wanted to be in a world where I could bring in like mythical monsters and I wanted sexy elven guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not very highbrow of me to say like, I I wanted to write. I think it's very valid. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I mean like that, I read all of the, I don't even, I don't think all of the series was out at that point, but, um, Holly Black's Cruel Prince series, it's the folk of the air is the name of the series. Mm-hmm. Her fairies, you guys, they're, she's so clever. Okay. And so she writes Faye who cannot lie. And she plays with that in, because, you know, like the folklore is all about, yeah, the Fae have all these rules they have to abide by, but be careful because they're really smart right. and they can get around anything. And so Holly Black is smart enough to play with it in like a really fun way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've read those and fallen deeply in love and then like gobbled up her entire backlist. She has um, the, the Folk of the Air series is more like high court, you know, like the prince, the king, the queen. Um, but she has a bunch of backlist stuff, including like Tithe, I think is the name of one of them. I'm terrible at titles. Um, that's like low court Faye. Okay. Um, just awesome. If you have a chance, like Holly Black Faye, to me, she writes the quintessential fairies and she's not afraid to like, you know, we're like, oh, sexy love interest. And she's like, yes. And he has horns and a tail, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) She's not afraid to like make them a little different. Um, and I, I I like that as a reader, I find it really fun. Um, but also my brothers were big, uh, Dungeons and Dragons players. Okay. And, uh, my husband still is, I mean, every other week he and his buddies, like, like 40 to 50 year old men who get together. (laughs) twice a month to play Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, at this point in their lives, they're playing campaigns that they've written themselves and, you know, but, um, but yeah, like, it's just a big, it's been a big part of my life. So 
those worlds where you have the elves and the orcs and the healers and all of that have always been kind of uh, in my blood, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of my friends, fiance's and his friends are all very into D and D, but, and I love fantasy. I love reading fantasy. We have this amazing podcast where I love talking to Ellen about fantasy, but for some reason that next jump is I've just never been interested in that. Yeah. I've tried to play a couple of times. I, as a storyteller, I find it very frustrating because it's not, you know, like as a storyteller and as a reader, I want that like lovely story arc and the lovely character arc. And I, and that's, that's not what you're doing. If you sit down, I'm like, what you did all this work to create these characters. You did all this work to create this world. Why are you just going to like, one, not write it down and two, not like really fully do your, you know, whole story arc. So I think it's a really cool thing. I love listening to the things they come up with and what they do. It's a, it's a nice brainstorming piece for me, but um, yeah, as a player, I just, I'm too much, I'm too dedicated to storytelling to, to be able to get into it. I mean, not that good DMs are great storytellers, right? Um, sorry, y'all that aren't uh, D&D people, a DM is a dungeon master. Yeah. <laughs> are a D&D person there's a really cool podcast called Critical Role where these voice actors play D&D together and like that is their podcast oh cool if you're into D&D and don't know about that definitely check it out my husband's a huge fan okay (laughs) hey that's well so have you ever used any like nuggets from those games in any yeah, and for sure. Um, and now I'm trying to think of what. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's in book two. Like it's always it always changes. So it's more like there is a nugget there and then it evolves. Um, oh, it's easier for me to remember the final product than the original version. Well, but some of the well, models pretty have like potentially but, your husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I guess kind of going back more into your writing style, you said you're a quilter. Is that what you've always done? Right. You were an English professor. Were you an English professor because you loved writing or yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that professional journey for you? Um, so I've always, I've always thought of myself as a writer, like since I was about in second grade, um, honestly, really well before I became an avid reader, I considered myself a writer. And, um, then I found, you know, my books, which at the time was historical romance. I found historical romance when I was in seventh grade and like inhaled everything my library had, um, and then it was like, oh, okay. I do like reading. I just mm-hmm. hadn't found the books that were books that I wanted to read yet. Um, so I've always considered myself a writer. And when I went to college, I wanted to major in English because I wanted to write. Um, you can imagine how my parents felt about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I finished my undergraduate with my English degree, I was like, hmm, I guess I'll get my master's degree so I can at least like teach at a community college, which is what I ended up doing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I got my master's degree with an emphasis in writing and I've always, I've always written in the style that I do, which is like, take the moments that I know and get them on the page and then see how they fit and discard what doesn't fit or completely rewrite it. Um, and I taught my students that process is process, you know, like you can do it in whatever way you want. And some people do more of their rewriting in their head before they ever start putting it on the page. And some people have to put it on their pay on the page before they can actually rethink it. Um, at the end of the day though, for something that's solid, you're still probably going through all the same steps. It's just, 
maybe mine are more visible or maybe mine appear to be okay. I'm not a linear thinker. Some people are really linear thinkers. So they're never going to think of story out of order the way I do. Um, but to me, because of all the callbacks that happen in any given story, again, go back to the story arc. It just has always made more sense in my brain to write the things that are callbacks next to each other. Sure. So, and then I can pull them apart and make sure they make sense in the story. Um, I don't, I really just think there are some people who, <laughs> I sometimes think people who write linear are just way smarter than us. <laughs> I'm like, how does your brain do that? Like, you just know what's next. <laughs> you just yeah, know, that's... and it's not boring. And it's not boring. Songs. I think they're fun. <laughs> I don't worry about the rest. Yeah. Gosh. So have you been writing consistently since second grade? If that's something that you considered yourself, like, I don't know if you started with just like short stories in fifth grade or if it was like, it was like more like, I liked the idea and I'd write like little poems or little, again, more vignettes than stories. Um, and then it was in middle school that I really started writing a lot. Um, I kept a journal for like, goodness, sometimes in grade school, all the way through high school, I kept a journal consistently. Um, But in middle school is when I started writing for other people. I wrote this like high school soap opera that didn't really have an ending. It just kind of kept going very much like (laughs) TV style. And my friends would have me put them into it and we'd pass it around during English class. And, you know, I think that was probably part of my origin story because I was like I really like this part where I get readers I really like this part where I get to share these stories with other people um you know there are a lot of writers who are like I don't care if no one ever reads my work I will write anyway and I'm like I care I care very much (laughs) (laughs) I want people to read it yeah um, and and then in high school it was like more poetry than anything bad bad poetry um And then in college, it was just occasionally I'd find time to write, um, but not as consistent because I was writing papers. Um, And so other than what I was writing for my classes, I was not super consistent until after I finished my master's degree. And even then it was like, I don't know. I've always been a very goal oriented person. So I have to be, I'm not going to just be like, and then I wrote a book and I didn't even realize I was going to write a book. I have to be like, I am going to finish this book. Sure. And then I'll finish the book. I can't just be like, we'll see what happens. What happens is I don't finish anything. I start something new that seems easier or more fun. Um, I just have to decide. So I joined RWA right after I finished my master's degree and found a critique partner, started going to meetings every month. And that just kind of got me more in the mindset of I'm a writer. This is what I want to do for sure. And this is how I'm going to do it. Um, And, you know, more consistent after that, I didn't write much when I was pregnant with either kid. I swear my body is like, I can either create a story or I can create a human, but we will not do both. Yeah, it seems fair. I mean, <laughs> luckily I only had two, so it wasn't really a big deal. <laughs> I don't know why that makes so much sense. It's, so it's just asking too much of yourself. <laughs> yeah, way too much. <laughs> I mean, we as women already have way too many responsibilities. Yeah, way too absolutely. Yeah. So you said that in high school or yeah, that historical romance was sort of what you were reading and absorbing and all of that. Was that ever a consideration of what you wanted to write? Did you ever think that that's what you were going to do? I mean, like probably when I was really young and first reading it, I thought, oh, well, I'll write this someday. But by the time I was seriously setting out to write my first book, I I was writing contemporary. Um, actually, my first published novels were paranormal romance. They're not in print right now, but they were with a small press and they were like um, a super sexy Charlie's Angels with superpowers. Okay. <laughs> and uh, um, so, you know, I had that fun that was very much like... Um, inspired by x-men and heroes did you guys ever watch that show heroes that yeah yeah Yeah, i mean that was a lot of fun um and just like the idea of the superpower uh victoria aviard does that really well in her red queen series like it's not just magic it's like you have this power and it's kind of cool 
Sure. Yeah. I love that all of the books and authors sing either they've been on our like to read list or I have like seen them all over the place. So um, I think I read Red Queen many years ago, but Ellen hasn't. So I have, I have a really bad memory, which works well for us because then we can <laughs> read it for the podcast and I'll have completely forgotten that I read it at this point. There have been times that I've suggested books and she's like, oh, I think I've heard of that. And then she'll like look in her library and she's like, oh, I read that already. I I think it's, it's the problem when you read a lot, you know, it's a problem. My mom and I talk a lot about like, oh, and then you open the book and you start reading it and you're like, oh, I've read this one before. (laughs) Oops. That's very true. It's just very problematic that it just doesn't all come back to me once I start that though. I still get <laughs> really enjoy surprised. it the second time. I was actually, yeah, I, I'm rereading. Um, so there's an author pair, Alana Andrews. Um, it's a husband and wife duo and they write this uh, urban fantasy series called Hidden Legacy. Um, and it's again, more like people with superpowers than it is like just magic. I mean, I call it magic in that world, but so good. So, so good. And I was like, I don't know if I remember the last book very well. And the next one's coming out in a few months. And so I thought I'm going to go back and reread it. And I was rereading it the other night and I'm like, man, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. But I think with that one, I was just so excited to get my hands on it. I was like gobbling it up as fast as I could. So yeah, a lot of the small details can definitely just so excited. You just can't stop yourself. (laughs) Yeah. There are times that I have to like tell myself to slow down with my reading and go back because I've skipped like whole paragraphs and I'm like, I should, that's probably important. I should go back and (laughs) actually read that. (laughs) So what are you reading these doing a combination of fantasy, paranormal romance, or have you been switching up your genres that you're reading? And then is that potentially changing up your future writing genres? Um, So in general, I read, I read a ton of romance. I love romance so much. It's, it's not, that's not changing. Um, (laughs) I read fantasy adult and YA. I, I love them equally. Um, lots of urban fantasy and I like suspense too which for me is more like sprinkle it in kind of thing I'm not going to be like a big suspense writer Lisa Gardner is my favorite suspense author um and her stuff's a little I mean okay my husband will tell you I'm a baby but to me it's a little creepy like it's a it's an audiobook read because otherwise I read before bed and I can't read things that are upsetting right before I try to sleep. Yeah. And you know, she does some upsetting stuff. Like I don't, I don't want to hear about little girls who were kidnapped and locked away right before I'm trying to go to sleep. Oh, That's for sure. Know. But I can listen to the audiobook on a road trip or while I'm doing housework and just, she crafts such good stories and, uh, I'm proud to say she came from romance. She was a romance writer first. <laughs> All the best ones do. In you know, I think there's, there's such a, I don't know if Renaissance is quite the right word, but there seems to be a romance Renaissance happening right now. And I'm totally here for it. Like <laughs> it's, it's not a genre that I ever looked at a lot. And Alex started reading a bunch and then I started reading a bunch and now I'm like, why the heck haven't I been here all along? Yeah. (laughs) And it just has such like a interesting history, right? Like if you just follow it back to like where it got the, the name bodice rippers and like when that was happening and like why it was a literal description of the books and why women needed them to be stories to be told that way. And and just watch its evolution through time. And I always feel like it's just like a little ahead of, um, just a little ahead of the game in terms of pop culture. You know, like I always thought it was funny when people would be like, oh, you know, romance novels, they're so bad because they just teach women to rely on men. And I'm like, no, no, I don't think they do. Yeah. And, 
I mean, one, like there's usually like a subplot that has to do with the woman's hopes and dreams that have nothing to do with romance. Um, but, you know, I felt like it was, I hope this is okay. Are we a PG podcast? I'm not going to curse, but like, okay. Okay. You, so <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I started seeing vibrators in romance novels probably a decade before I saw them anywhere else. Sure. You know, like it was, it's like still taboo and, you know, people don't talk about it elsewhere, but romance novelists are like, yeah. And that's where she kept her vibrator, you know, like these, these can be, these can be empowering things for women. I won't get on that soapbox, but romance is awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. an awesome part of all my favorite books, even if it, whether it be like the main uh, plot of the story or a subplot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm. You sure we got on some type of feminist soapbox when we were recording the episode about your your book so it's it's yeah. an it's a common occurrence on our podcast unfortunately <laughs> there's a lot yeah, yeah we've got no, a lot of soapboxes it's, it's good I mean like that's my favorite thing about pop lit is just that it is popular lit it is read by many people so you can have a conversation in a much bigger way about it, right? Like I read so many like short stories and, you know, Booker Prize, push cart, whatever prize stories when I was working on my graduate degree. And so much of it's very good, but you don't go out into the world at large and you're not able to like have a conversation as like it being part of your culture because it isn't widespread. So whether it be like a book that's been on the New York Times list week after week for a year or a TV show that everyone's watching, like I love pop culture stuff because I I think it gives us a place to have a really good conversation. Even if that conversation is XYZ is problematic. Like how many of us watched Game of Thrones every week and we were like, why do all the women have to be raped? Why? You know, like this is not okay. And I'll tune in next week and talk to you about (laughs) it again. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so true. How um has navigating all of kind of what we've been talking about, um, especially with like women and being explicit, how have you been navigating that moving from adult to YA and like, how do you choose what to include, what to consider like too explicit or not? I, I find it kind of difficult. In fact, the first draft of these hollow vows that I turned in my editor at the time, um, came back to me and was like, listen, (laughs) we want those Sarah J. Mass fans. We want the people who read Court of Mist and Fury 14 times. We want, we want the older fans of YA fantasy. So I'm not asking you to make it explicit, but make it sexier. I was just going to say it to us. (laughs) Yeah. Make it sexier. And she's like, I will pull you back. I'll pull you back. Whereas book two, I had a different editor. And she was like, okay, let's maybe cut this. Let's see, it can be sexy without being. And so I, I think for me, editorial is a super important part of that process. Um, Cause it's hard to know exactly where the line is. Um, my publisher has uh, the series as 14 plus. What does that mean? I mean, I, I was reading things way more explicit when I was younger, but was I your typical kid? Right. Is every parent okay with that? No, you know? So, um, like right now, my, my daughter who will be 11 next month, uh, has been asking to read these hollow vows like over and over again. And I was finally like, yeah, sure. Cause I thought she'll make it maybe 50 pages and then give up. Right. Hope that girl is in it. And <laughs> I'm fine with it because she, I mean, she read all the twilight books. She yeah. loves the vampire diaries. Like I'm pretty sure she can quote most of it by heart, you know? (laughs) So I already know like what she watches and what she's exposed to. And she and I talk about everything. So nothing in there. She doesn't already know, you know, (laughs) but, um, she is not every 11 year old, you know, like she has friends that are her age that I'd be like, she's not ready. Don't, don't give her that book yet. Yeah. Um, So, but ultimately I'm like, that's not my call. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely tricky. And for me, very much led by like 
I'll put it about where I think it should be and then let let my editors do their job, which is like, okay, push this a little more or pull back. Um, yeah, and two things in, in book two. One, she had me pull back and one, she was like, I know we keep telling you to cut because that book's long, but could you add a love scene here? And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> Thank you for asking me to do something I'm good at. <laughs> oh, if you insist, okay. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, and and I think um, I ranted about this on TikTok the other day. Actually, um, one of the most important things romance does a lot of very important things, but I honestly think that the thing that it's mocked most for that sexiness is one of the most important um, things that it does for our girls is because it's like in this space, you find out that women's pleasure matters. You don't yeah. see that very often on TV or in more um, more mainstream pop culture. It's it's his pleasure. Yeah. Um, so in this in this space, women's pleasure matters. And the woman who is seeking pleasure is not a villain. <laughs> You know, so, yeah. so I want girls, younger girls to be exposed to that too, but in a way that they're comfortable with. Now, I do think kids self-censor, like if they're just not comfortable with it, they're just like, okay, I just won't read it. Um, and, and that's a good thing, you know, figuring out where they are. In fact, my son was reading the Red Queen series and he was like a couple books behind me. And I was like, oh, bud. I just want you to know, I just read whatever book it was in. And there is a light love scene there. Um, not a big deal. I have no issues with you reading it. It's pretty short, but I want you to know because I know he can be a little, mm. Yeah. <laughs> he stopped reading the series. He was oh, like, no. yeah, I'm out. And that's fine. Like he gets to make that choice. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's very true. Um, it's interesting though, because, so we're huge fans of Sarah J Mass here. Um, <laughs> and consequently Jennifer L. Armentrout as well, which I believe are two authors who like in the advertising of your book, it's like, mm -hmm. if you're a fan of Sarah J Mass and Jennifer L. Armentrout, then you yeah. should read this. And yeah. Hook, line, sink are definitely reading this. We need to push it up the line of like what we're reading for our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but I think both of their series have kind of straddled the line of like young adult and adult. And we see them like moving the series in sections of like Barnes and Noble even. Um, yeah. Sometimes so, the colors aren't sure what to do with them. Now, are, you're talking about Jennifer Armand Trout's from Blood and Ash series. Yes. Mm -hmm. She is very adamant that that is not and has never been young adult. Sure. Um, I think people are confused because Poppy's 17 at the beginning of the series, right? So they're like, yeah, it's young adult. She's young adult. Um, but Jennifer's like, whoa, whoa. I never, we never, ever gave it that label. If bookstores put it in that section, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't on us. Yeah. Uh, whereas... <laughs> Sarah J. Moss, my understanding, she's not my buddy. Uh, I talk to Jennifer sometimes in groups, whereas Sarah's not even like part of my group of friends. I'll refer to her by her first name like she is, but we've never chatted. Um, we do that with every author. That's what we do. We'll be talking about it. I'm pretty sure many times we were like, oh yeah, so Lexi, like we know her. <laughs> yeah. So my understanding is that uh, Sarah wrote A Court of Thorns and Roses and pitched it as a new adult novel okay. at the peak of when like new adult romance was was really a strong thing and new adult romance took off like in the post 50 shades era when more and more people were coming to ebook to read because it had never really taken off in print because booksellers didn't know where to put it they were sure. like it's not young adult but it's not adult and where do we we don't know what to do with this thing um and so it, in ebook nobody cares there's no shelves we're like so romance writers came along in 2012 2013 new adult romance was huge so my understanding if the lore is correct is that she pitched the series as new adult and they didn't think that booksellers would know what to do with it so they made it young adult um now Feyre is 19 
So, I mean, if we're going just by the, is she over 18 or not, you know, (laughs) kind of an arbitrary number, isn't it? Um, But then for, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm a fangirl first, apparently. I could talk other people's books all day long. But um, for A Court of Silver Flames, that's Cassian, right? Yeah. Yes. And that is specifically an adult fantasy. So, yes, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, but whether or not A Court of Mist and Fury is inappropriate i'm using my quote fingers <laughs> so you can't see poor young readers i i think it just depends on the reader you know there's a oh. there's a wide range of explicitness in ya lit and um a wide range of what readers are comfortable with so i think that's probably appropriate it's too bad that it's so difficult to give like you know tiktok people are talking about spiciness ratings all the time yeah and it's really <laughs> tough like yeah. if something's a little taboo but it's not that graphic is it spicier than something that's more graphic but not considered taboo at all mm. you know like and it's it's just not as straightforward as you might think it would be you know um, yeah. how many how many words on the page need to happen before you know and some some people are better than others at at the ability to write scenes Brigid Kemmerer talks about it as she writes them so that adults who know what's happening know what's happening, whereas kids who maybe don't wouldn't know what was happening. And I think that is an amazing way to handle it. I just don't think I'm good at that. That's not not my strong point. But, you know, her books are really good. And I would say she does it really well. Like, that's her goal. And I think she's, uh, she achieves it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think you did it really well. I tore through your book. So (laughs) yeah. Well, I mean, like it was kind of awkward. The woman I was at Planet Comic Con a few weeks ago, and the author who was across from me was looking at my book and trying to decide if she wanted to buy it for her 10-year-old. And I said, you know, I just want you to know there's a light love scene in it. If you're okay with that, I think it's fine. If you're not okay with that, I want you to know right now. Yeah. And so she was like, thanks. And she was kind of hemming and hawing. And I was like, listen, I'm going to sit there. It was the last day. It was kind of slow. I will find the scene and I will hand it to you so you can read it ahead of time. So I like actually am flipping through the book to find the shower scene and the love scene. And it's like, oh, wow, these are both way later in the book than I thought they were. Huh. <laughs> um, but I'm like bookmarking the love scenes so that she can read just that completely out of context to right. see if she's comfortable with her daughter reading it. Um, and she didn't tell me what, but she was like, yeah, I think it's all fine. There was one line that kind of made me cringe. And of course I'm like, what was the line? But I'm glad I don't know. Cause then whatever it was, I would be self-conscious about for the sure. rest of my life. So it's better that I didn't ask. Yeah. Yeah. So how has that been like interacting with fans and recognizing that your, your readers have expanded and like interacting with them now that you have YA, I'm assuming that you still have some fans who read both, right? We're yeah. adults who read YA fantasy yeah. in fall. Yeah, and I've had teenagers who read my romance for a long time too. Um, they're on their iPhones and, you know, mom's like, sure, I'll buy you more iBooks money. You know, I'll give you more iBooks cards. It's reading <laughs> and they're like tearing through my Jackson Harbor series. I'm good for you, kid. Um, Work the system. that's right (laughs) they're on their phone reading um so no it's it's been interesting I expected that there would be some crossover I think that I expected maybe more of my romance fans to really dig what I was doing in these hollow vows and bless their hearts like I see them talking about it in my fan group and they try but this is just not what they're into you know like they're here for contemporary romance and they're like I can't get into all this magic stuff but those who were already reading both kinds of things are all about it um finding new readers is my lifeblood I, I just it's hard to uh 
it's hard to explain what it's like to find a whole new readership and to it took me so long to build my contemporary romance readership i wasn't one of those indie romance success stories where i was like and then i wrote a book and i put it on amazon and i didn't know what i was doing and then someone said to check my numbers and i'd made a million dollars like <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking in a voice that would imply that i hate those people and i actually know a couple and i love them dearly i just hate them on a different level too and i think they know it but, <laughs> oh, what i was wanted to happen to me but i've always been like all about it so you know i was looking at what was happening I wasn't like in the corner totally focusing on something else um so it's been really interesting to like find readers that probably never would have found me in romance because that's not what they gravitate toward um but I very much wanted to go in and <laughs> I don't think small so it, it sounds very like egotistical to be like yeah, I wrote this book because I wanted the fandom. I wanted the fan art. I wanted the cosplay. I, you know, like I didn't go into this book. I was trying to have fun, but also like there is a different kind of fandom and fantasy than you find in romance. Like people don't cosplay the sexy firefighter from my Jackson Harbor series. They could, I'd be okay with that, <laughs> but they don't really do that. Um, they don't do much fan art. Sometimes I'll get a reel or two, but it's just a different fandom and I'm greedy and I want both. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Because I read both. I mean, it really comes from a place of just loving the lit myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Well, how did you get then two hard hitters like Sarah J Mass and Jennifer L Armentrout to be in like the advertising for your Oh, book? that Was is that all, your that's the publisher. publisher? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like there are some pretty protective Sarah J Mass fans who come after me from time to time and I'm like oh. You could just take that off the blurb if you wanted. So maybe I could fly under the radar with them. <laughs> but it's oh my gosh, right? I don't know. Like, I don't know why they would do that because we very have expectations and yeah. they were met. It was great. They're, they're very, they're very protective, you know, like and also don't maybe understand that like. Sarah J. Moss isn't the only one to write Faye. <laughs> you know, right. like she did it and she did it really well and we all love them. But the idea that anyone else who does it is copying off her is like, well, look at all these people who were doing it before her. Like, right. So like she, she didn't create them. Like yeah, like this is part of the mythology. Like I'm, I'm digging into old Scottish and Irish mythology to write these books. Um, and yes, I absolutely love what she does. And I think she's incredibly talented and, you know, I'm not worthy and all of that, but it's like, we're allowed to do this too. It's like, it's like if Stephanie Meyer fans were pissed that other people were writing vampires, For you sure. know, <laughs> they came a long time. So, um, I, I understand. I think it comes from like a really good place of just feeling very protective of their favorite author and, and it might be a little mean spirited occasionally in my inbox, but, um, but mostly I really do. I try to focus on the fact that it, it's coming from a place of how much they love her. And it's really not about me. I think, I feel like that's probably safe to say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and even if it's not true, that's what I'm going to keep telling myself. Hey, so. <laughs> sounds like a plan. I was so excited when we start or when I started reading it and I saw that it was the whole like Seely versus unseely and mm -hmm. sort of how you flipped even that idea on its head. And I was so here for it. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. I am a little obsessed with the Seely unseely thing. I mean, like I was talking to my brother while I was drafting book one and he was like, who calls themselves on anything and I was like exactly like nobody yeah so how can we play with that which you get into more in book two but um but yeah I mean like exactly like that being on something comes that's a label that's put on you from someone who's in a power position over you mm -hmm. you know like those power dynamics we learn about in women's studies never go away <laughs> <laughs> I know, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, but you can learn from them and you can apply them in like really, it's not just men and women in contemporary romance. It's not just workplaces. You know, you can take that 
and apply it to these species in a fantasy realm. And as readers who live in a normal contemporary world, we get it because we live it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things about fantasy is that you get to look at problems that maybe you see on a daily basis and that they seem I was gonna say more manageable when there's like magic involved. And I don't know that that's necessarily true, but it's, I don't know, easier to explain. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm sorry if you can hear my dog scratching in the background. <laughs> she just heard my husband come in and she's like, wait a second, I can't get to him. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, it's more, I don't even want to say black and white because like, part of what I love is exploring those gray areas, right? Like the morally great characters, the morally great choices, the bad things we do to try to achieve something good for someone we love. Like that Mm -hmm. is part of what I love. So, but just like the, so many problems in life, we can't just have a magical sword and like cut them off at the head, right? Like, but we wish we could. (laughs) So fantasy Mm -hmm. that like, oh, I just want to be done with it in this way. Yeah, that's true. But it also, I think, helps us be able to digest some of these problems that like we think about our world has so many issues and that just adds, especially with COVID, different layers of stress on our body that we're not even aware of. And then you put some of these problems into context in a fantasy book and it just allows you to like start processing those in a right because it, you, you distance yourself from it while at the same time immersing yourself in it it's really like there's a strange you know binary happening there like because it's like yeah it becomes other but at the same time you become the protagonist so you're like living it um and it's both at once. And you're right. I, I mm-hmm. absolutely think it allows us to process it. I mean, that's, that's what I've loved about writing from the beginning. I love taking characters, taking choices that, that the average person living, you know, regular life wouldn't understand that seem like really bad choices Yeah. and making it make sense to the reader. Yeah. You know, like I am obsessed with that. <laughs> So I, I always want to talk about uh, my football series spinning out has a, a really terrible car accident that opens up the whole thing and some people die and um, it's, it's upsetting. It's tragic, but for me, I, I was exploring something that happened in my town. You know, this, Mm. these boys had been on the side of the road and this girl hit them and her parents covered it up and um there's question of whether or not like one pushed the other into the road or was she just drunk or you know so there were all these questions surrounding it and I just wanted to dig into that and figure out like what must that feel like first of all and why would someone make these terrible decisions to cover this up and and just dig into that so then the story emerges. Do I really know what it's like inside their minds? No, of course not. But I think it's important that we try to see world from different perspectives than our own. And that's why we read. Absolutely. So much why I write as well. There have been so many times that I've read books and I've gotten so frustrated with whatever decision that they've made. And then I find myself saying like, I would never make that decision as if I've ever been in that exact situation and like I could possibly know why it's happening and right yes you've been in the middle of a battlefield where there are dragons spewing fire and you have decided to retreat you've made that decision before Uh, all the time (laughs) daily (laughs) but you know like my goal as a writer is to make you like frustrated that the character needed to make that decision while at the same time you're like oh but I get it you know like like you are with a good friend who's going through something and you're like why did you do that but I understand (laughs) but I wish you hadn't Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and and sometimes we like aim and miss. I mean, I I occasionally have I have a very specific book in mind where readers are like, oh, she made me so mad. And I could sit there and tell you all the reasons she made the decisions, but if you don't feel that coming away from the book, then yeah. 
I missed, right? I, I aimed and I missed uh, because that's my job. I don't get to stand over your shoulder while you're reading and be like, hey, do you understand? Let me, <laughs> let's, let's circle back to her trauma and think of it from that point of view. You know, like it's what's on the page and how you respond to it. I don't, I don't get to interact with the story after that. And no. I've shown it. Um, so <laughs> yeah, sometimes we fail is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, I have to say with these hollow vows, that has not been the case. Thank mm. you. And I'm very excited to read, read the next book. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about, or anything that you can tell us yeah. about <laughs> these twisted bonds, what to expect? It's so funny. Um, I did a, um, a book event with my Romanian publisher a couple weeks ago and they had a virtual event obviously and they, but they let some readers come on and ask questions yeah. and never in my life have I declined to answer so many questions <laughs> if you're like answering that would be a spoiler yeah I can't answer that without spoiling like over and over and I am such a talker if you haven't noticed that it was weird for me but I don't like to spoil anything so here's what I can tell you I can tell you the book literally picks up where you left off. Perfect. And um, <laughs> thank you. you. Spend some time in the Wild Fae territory okay. and meet one of my new favorite characters, Misha, who's the king of the Wild Fae. He's in the other room at one point during these hollow vows, but I don't think he's ever on the page. So you get to meet him and he's awesome. Um, and this book has everything I love about love triangles, the angst and the heartache and the yes. <laughs> pain. Um, because I just, I love it. I love it. And I can't wait for you to read it. Oh my gosh. I'm even more excited than I was before. Cause I love a good love triangle. Oh, I'm glad you love them. She usually it's, it's like, I hate love triangles, but I was, this one, this one was, this one was good or, you know, which is what I say, like my goal in life is to make everyone who says they hate love triangles admit that there are some good love triangles. Yeah. I love writing them so much, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, then there are those of us who are like, yes, because mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but when I was reading Akatar, the first time Resand was on the page, the first time he was on the page, Minute. I was like, thank God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and I was loving the book, but I was like, I knew, you know, like if anything could make this story better, it's that. And I just saw him and he's coming back and I know it Yes, um, because mm -hmm. you don't have your heroine say he's the most beautiful man I've ever seen and have him just be like Not gone. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, Caraval, like Stephanie Garber does a really great job with love triangles. Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. I was talking to, I just recently read Caraval and I was talking to my friend about it, um, much on like the same notes of like, how do you write something that is tame enough for younger readers, but still like super sensual, maybe more than sexy, or, um, I'm not sure what the right word is. Um, but I felt like in Caraval, there are some kissing scenes in that book that are just so, she, she does a really good job. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like I need to like sit down with a, like a notepad and a pen and take notes and figure out how she does it because <laughs> they don't really do a whole lot. They're just kissing, but it's hot. It, it yeah. gives me all the same feels I want when I'm reading a love scene without it being a love scene. So. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's very true. So you said that you had already got two rounds of this book when these hollow vows came out in terms of like writing and editing. Yeah. So can you tell us anything about next projects or will you ever yeah. write another YA fantasy or fantasy series or novel? Absolutely. Or um, so I would I'm like to pre-order that now. Liminal <laughs> space that exists in publishing where I know things and things are official, but not talk about it official yet. So I will just say 
that there will be more in this world. I'll just say that. More okay. in this world? All right. We're ready. We're set. <laughs> We're gonna have all of our notifications on. You can put us down for the pre-order now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like a, a you know, we've recently. I don't even know what I'm allowed to say, but we've recently gone through negotiations. So it's, it's pretty new. Um, and I still have to like write things. <laughs> so, so it'll probably, I would not be shocked if there were two years between um, these hollow vows and the next book in this world. Um, and that's okay because it, these hollow vows really is a duology. Like it, you, you there's no cliffhanger, like the story, Bree's story, concludes with these twisted bonds. So it'll be okay if there are a couple of years um, between that and the next book in the world. But um, as a reader who hates waiting, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's rough. Two, a year is bad enough, but two years it's like, okay, we better have a new protagonist. So mm-hmm. that is what's gonna happen. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. I'm wow. excited too. I'm hoping that they like get with it on the final paperwork so that we can, uh, announce it near the time of the release of these twisted bonds but that is probably wishful thinking on my part publishing paperwork is <laughs> it, it's crazy I mean like because we it's pretty much a done deal but then it's all like the fine print that we have to haggle over before it's like something they can announce sure mm-hmm. yeah oh all right well now I'm super excited I'm oh. excited. <laughs> so I don't know if you have any more questions, Ellen or Lexi, if you wanted to say anything else to our fans, we don't know who they are. We don't know. We get Randy about like, oh, someone in Costa Rica downloaded an episode. And we're like, how did you find our podcast? <laughs> you, know, good. you know, if you, if you want to email me, um, whether or not you want to say nice things or not, I'm always happy to get emails. It's, Lexi at LexiRyan.com or just check me out at LexiRyan.com. I've got all my books on there, whether you like contemporary romance or young adult fantasy. And uh, yeah, I hope to be around in both worlds for a long time. I like Perfect. writing both. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> You're welcome. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. <laughs>